This is the Untamed Ethos Podcast. Join us as investment pros, executives, and other experts talk business, personal growth, investing, politics, and the trending topics well-rounded pros need to know about. Authentic, unfiltered, and fun. Joshua Wilson is the founder of United Ethos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Due to industry regulations, he will not discuss any of United Ethos's investment advice on this podcast, and nothing you'll hear on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. All opinions expressed by Joshua and by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of United Ethos or its affiliates. Welcome back to Untamed Ethos. I'm Joshua Wilson, and with me as usual is Dr. Vix. Russell Rhodes, and we got a busy week ahead uh, and a busy week behind earnings, uh, middle of earnings, uh, lots of trends that I know you're following right now, some big surprises uh, coming out as well. So a lot to talk about today, Dr. Vix, but got to address the elephant in the room. You're looking awfully pink today, Russell. I'm very pink. I, uh, you know, like anybody that is a father of a daughter. Uh, got to go see the Barbie movie this past weekend. So, and, you know, I had to dress in pink for the obligatory pictures in front of the, the theater and in the little Barbie booth and all that kind of stuff. Um, there was one funny line in the whole movie when Helen Mirren, who was the uh, the, the um, narrator, uh, they talked about, there, there's one scene where Barbie's getting all upset. You know, it's Margot Robbie. And she goes, I'm ugly now. And Mirren, Mirren chimes in and says, note to the producers, you don't cast Margot Robbie for, to make this scene convincing, <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah. But otherwise, it was a little corny. I don't got no other way to do it. Really? Not uh, your thing? Barbie movie? Nah, not terribly my thing. My wife was really excited that um, Ryan Reynolds basically did not wear his shirt the whole time. Um <laughs> Oh, you no. Know, it uh, wasn't Ryan Gosling. It's the other guy. It's the Ryan, other guy. Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Yeah. The two yeah. Ryans. I was oh. surprised. So I saw it yesterday as well uh, mm-hmm. and actually filmed a video of it. Uh, I thought that it was, <laughs> man, my, my thoughts are all over the place. I don't know mm-hmm. if we should just talk about those there, but I was surprised. I mean, I mean obviously, you, you think little kids, I mean, it is a PG 13 movie, but uh i'm sure you caught the masturbation joke at the beginning oh yeah the yeah the beach off they just kept going to beat you off they just kept going with it too they did too and then there was there was an f-bomb at the end but they put the mattel logo over it yeah which was really funny i thought was a cute way to and and it's funny our um in my household um our children are allowed to actually curse appropriately. Uh, okay. just, as opposed to just sounding completely stupid. Yeah. So uh, they've always kind of, they, they, you know, they, uh, my kids are 16 and 18 now, uh, but they still would have known what it was when they were six and eight. Um, so one of, one of the, one of the best uh, cursing stories in the Rhodes household is my oldest who you know likes everything in a certain way, and um, one time you know we put her to bed and everything, and we had left the towel from her bath on the floor, and all of a sudden her door opens up and we hear this little voice, "God damn it!" and the towel flies out and she slams the door. I'm like, well, that was appropriate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
um yeah the beach i don't know how and and it we my my daughters have uh we've, we've got cousins that are practically like siblings at this point because they're so close and they go to the same high school and all that kind of stuff uh one of them's only 12 and my 16 year old who saw it twice already even said that there were probably some things that the 12 year old wasn't going to be able to pick up on um, throughout the movie and and i can see that i think there were probably some things that my 16 and 18 year old didn't necessarily pick oh, up it, it's as well there's times the movie didn't know what it wanted to be i mean yeah, yeah. she's she's, yeah. she's playing this the the stereotypical kind of uh bimbo barbie is kind of what she's playing um the the main character Margot robbie and then all of a sudden she jumps off on this you know four lines of sounding like she has a phd in gender studies or a phd in you know, sociology or something like that. And uh, just out of the blue, just. She she went from being completely clueless toward the beginning. It's almost like they changed directors halfway through. Yeah. You know, she went from being absolutely clueless to spending 12 hours in the real world and becoming very worldly. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. yeah. Downright to the to the short soliloquies on social causes i mean it this was easily the wokest movie i've ever seen in my life um easily i've i've seen worse um but uh this was i this one really did make uh make make boys look pretty stupid um ken ain't so bright never really got super bright he was even in fact when they, you know, flip when he goes to the real world, comes back and and starts to act like a guy from the real world, as opposed to an androgynous doll, um, he 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 looked like a thirteen year old boy who all of a sudden drank his first beer or something, and and Bruce was just beer. weird. Yeah, just a lot of confidence for no particular reason, and and just weird. Well, that's what the but that's exactly what the what they portray the men to be in the real world though is yeah I mean, they oh, refer yeah. to them as kins the kins in the real world the real world kins and they're just as dumb i mean the ceo of mattel is an absolute bumbling idiot the entire board which is all men which is not accurate because the, the board's about half female in real yeah. life um they're all bumbling idiots. It's anything that's male is a bumbling idiot. I, I think that the, the thing that was the shock, most shocking to me in the movie was I really felt like it had um, a pretty strong anti-motherhood bias. That's kind of what bothered me the most. Yeah, there was some of that. And uh, I mean, even at the, the the beginning scene, the the beginning scene, which was basically a parody of the beginning of 2001 with the little girls and the dolls and everything. Uh, yeah, I felt like that, that was, that was leaning toward, um, you know, uh, making, uh, making it look like it almost made it look like you have to do one or the other, I guess is what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I had, uh, I knew that looked familiar and I, oh, I looked it up and it was, um, from the, from Stanley Kubrick film. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, in fact, I'm going to do something that doesn't work particularly well on the screen but there's a uh, a side by side from instagram yeah. of the beginning scenes yeah and, and i even my my daughters didn't know that my uh 68 that that movie was made while i was being made 
Yeah, I was born. I was born in August of '67, so that movie was being made when I was. Well, it was, to put it this way, my my siblings weren't even born, and they're 14 yeah. years older than me, so uh, that's before my time. And you know, th- I get it. That's uh, that's that's a nod to the Space Odyssey film from 1968, although it's called 2001. Um, but no, little kids don't know that. It's ridiculous. Oh no, they didn't. They didn't know that one at all. I showed it to my daughters on the way back. Or in the car when we got in the car to come home, I was like, "Do you remember the very first scene?" Because I knew exactly what it what it was. Yeah. Um, oh, I sure didn't. I, I knew it was. I knew it was something that was older that I'd seen because mm-hmm. it's a classic, right? So I knew that it. it I where have I seen this before? So I had to kind of look it up. Um, but yeah, that, the, the scene is these. They're just breaking these Barbie dolls up, and that you know you don't have to be a mom anymore. That's fun for a few minutes, but then it's not. Ask your mom. It's not fun after a while. Like, yeah. is that really what you want to say to an eight eight year old girl? Uh, it's funny when you're eighteen, but when you're I, eight, I thought the mom from the real world that went back. I I did like how I I felt like she had some really logical lectures in there. It wasn't. It could have been a lot worse. You yeah. know, she could have been, uh, and the, and she wasn't even a single mom. You know, the dad was a stay at home, do nothing. <laughs> the, of yeah. course, he's staying do nothing, and and he was staying. He, like, he reminded me of AOC's boyfriend, and I know oh. that that that's going to get me. But that was the kind of kind of guy, you know, just uh, maybe he's, maybe a beta male. He's thirteen, so his daughter's thirteen, and uh-huh. and, and it's, they say dad, so I assume it's not stepdad. So I assume no, it's a dad. He's just. Dad. Um, and, and he's, you know, his, his wife is Hispanic and his daughter's half Hispanic. And he's just now barely learning Spanish. And the only thing that we know of this bumbling idiot is he's just learning a few phrases of Spanish. That's the only time we see him is he's barely learning. He can, men can learn. They can learn real, real, real slow. <laughs> well, and, and we talked about this on one of the very first episodes a bit there was um you know i was down at iu i had a former student call up and say hey my buddies and i all go i know you teach thursday nights until about 8 30 my buddies and i go for dollar burgers at this place every about nine to ten o'clock every thursday night why don't you meet us out and the whole table uh, the guys were like you know they just women just want us they want to trap us uh and you know they want they they you know, the last thing in the world I want to do is get trapped into a marriage because once, the, you know, once once a kid comes along, I I just don't even matter. And the the way they depicted the dad in the Barbie movie uh, kind of reinforced what those guys were what, what those guys were saying when we were talking about it. Also, um, one of the guys had been dating a girl for like three or four years. They broke up, and he saw a picture of her like four months pregnant on Instagram. They only broke up six months ago. So, yeah. Oh, no. yeah so all of them were bitter about women. I, I just got to give that context. They were all a little upset at the ladies. Wow. That, well, speaking we, of pregnant, that that's going that, on. that's the bane of the Barbie movie. I mean, that's yeah. the joke that keeps coming up is Midge, the pregnant uh, version of a Barbie that came out within the 60s. She wasn't very popular. Pregnant <laughs> Barbie that comes out. And, and, and every time she comes on the screen, they make fun of her. Oh, my God. It's, oh, you know, like no one yeah. wants to see Nobody that. That's that. just too weird. It's always shock and disgust whenever we see the pregnant woman on the Barbie movie. And there's no kids in the movie. I mean, there's all you see is a couple of tweens, but no little kids at all. It's all 
couple of tweens and then all dolls and horrible people in the um in in the real world but yeah every time that motherhood is pretty much mentioned and every time you see a pregnant doll it is this is weird this is shocking this is disgusting no one wants to see that your entire identity should be based on what you who you are what you do doesn't it's okay if you're average but uh no one wants to buy an average doll (laughs) and this is kind of a we're really on the barbie movie but it's i I think it's okay because i i want to know what your opinion of this is and uh michael Sarah, uh who plays alan who's like the only non-kin yeah what what do you think they were trying to do with him there because my my mother-in-law had a and i had an i we there were eight of us the extended rhodes rose family right um went to uh went went to the movie it's first time i've been been married to my wife for 21 years that's the first time i've been to the movies with anybody in her family really we it's just not something we've ever ever done i whereas before her i dated somebody whose family owned a a bunch of video movie rental places right right and we went to every single freaking movie ever Um, yeah so it just i thought it was kind of different but what do you think michael Sarah? and he played alan the only non-kin man in barbie land i'm quoting it from the site yes yes Uh, michael Sarah. i first off he played some comic relief because he was just this out of place guy you know yeah i think he plays the um i i was trying to kind of figure out if he was a guy at all because they kind of make reference (laughs) to the fact that he's he can wear all of Ken's clothes. They they say that, but there's something else they say that makes me wonder. Wait, is is he even considered a Ken? Is he even considered a guy? Because he's not mm-hmm. a Barbie. He's not a Ken. Um, it, I I kind of was wondering if they were saying he was non-binary or if he was trans in some way. And there is a trans Barbie. You know, is the, there which one? I didn't Doctor Barbie. Doctor Barbie. What? So one of the things you notice. So so one of the themes that I notice in the movie is that genitals don't matter. That comes yep, up over know, and over. No, but they do at the very end. I don't want they, to give away the end. But they, they do, do at, at the, the very end, end in yeah. the real world. In the real world that where, where, where she's going to get her, have to go to the gynecologist. But mm-hmm. they refer multiple times to uh, um, to make yeah. jokes about genitals. They talk about that, you know, Barbie says, I do not have a vagina. He does not have a penis. We have no genitals. And yeah. then they continually make fun of Ken for having no genitals. And then in the movie where, where in, in the end where the Barbies are teaching the Barbies to to manipulate Ken, there's a That's... whole scene where they literally go out step by step. Here is how you manipulate men in order to make the world right. You have to manipulate men. You need to giggle at this time. You need to make it shrug their ego at this time. All these different things you have to do. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, and the the Barbie says, once you get him right where you want him, where he's fallen in love, then you get up and leave and go flirt with another kid. So you see all these Barbies get up and go. Oh yeah, flirt with other no, dolls. What one of the what the the trans Barbie, who's Doctor Barbie, she goes and seduces Ken, and it's never mentioned. The actor is trans mm-hmm. and she's trans, um, but she goes and seduces Ken. Ken doesn't say anything about her being trans, but you have a trans Barbie seducing Ken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, that, that, that comes up, but yeah, I think that the whole genitals don't matter thing is a, is a, is a big underlying theme, um, of all of this in there. And oh, so yeah. I think no, Alan was, is, I think he's yeah. non-binary. Yeah. That's what my mother-in-law thought. She said, was he trans? And I said, I don't think he's trans. I think he's just kind of, he's just Alan. A very, 
just very, very neutral doll that nobody could define. So you know kins are men, right? When they go yeah. to the real world, they refer to men as kins. kins. And, and, they, yeah. and, and so he's not a kin and he's not a Barbie. He's just Alan. And it's okay yep. to just be Alan. And Alan has kind of some very feminine characteristics. And then you also see Alan have this random extended unneeded fight scene. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Uh, the whole thing was kind of, it, it bordered on silly. And I, I was a little disturbed by the manipulation part of it. Not, you know, not again, not, I, I was thinking while that was going on that there's a, uh, you know, this is almost like a little playbook. Uh, it was absolutely you know, if, a playbook. I mean, if I were a 14 year old girl and, and I knew how to manipulate guys like that, um, I, you know, I, I never would have had to do my own homework. Absolutely. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know else to See, say it. But every you know little detail. I mean, they, they they did yeah. they did not miss a detail. For example, when 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 uh, when they're on the dates, Barbies and the Kens on the date, and Ken says, uh -huh. "I'm going to play guitar at you, not to yeah. you, but oh, at yeah. you." Why? Because anything yeah. a man does is to stroke his own ego. And did you notice the song that he plays? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the word the words to both songs. My wife was at, actually Mary Beth was. Uh, was explaining that to my daughters that yeah. the uh you know that the words uh you know were very specific to the gender sides there and that's why those two songs kept coming yeah up over the and over the lyrics again. of the, the verse yeah. is basically barbie singing right it's a woman yeah. it's, it's a matchbox 20 song from the 90s so this is my era right um she said i don't know if i've ever been good enough i'm a little yeah. untrusting when i think the truth's gonna uh, was was it I forget but all. I, I, I remember, yeah, I forget the words of it. But uh, the the chorus is Ken saying, "I want to push you around." Well, I will. Yeah. Well, I will. I want to push you down. Well, I will. Well, I will. I want to take you for granted. I will. I will. It yeah. is a song about. I mean, the, the lyrics are about Ken overtly saying, "I want to." Oh yeah. I it's... want to abuse you, and 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 the lyrics from the female standpoint um i think my head's caving in i don't think i've ever been really loved by a hand that's touched me and i feel like something's gonna give i mean it's amazing that oh they yeah no it's just dead on it's totally dead on that's funny from 98 yeah i was trying to find the exact words to it but um yes they uh there there are all kinds of and again that's that's one that you know, the 12 year old that was with us probably didn't pick up. Actually, I know, you know what? The 16 and 18 year olds didn't either. Yeah, they, they wouldn't. Nor did, I'll nor, tell you what, everybody... did, nor did the grandparents. Actually, it was just Mary Beth and myself yeah. that really. I'll tell you up. what, what every little girl picks up and the younger she is, the easier it is to pick up on this right. is <clears throat> patriarchy equals capitalism equals fascism equals men. Patriarchy equals men equals bad fascism equals patriarchy capitalism equals patriarchy men equals patriarchy men equals capitalism at capitalism equals fascism all of this is synonymous with the oppression of women and it's men versus women it is yeah Barbie and Land i is the matriarchy and that's good matriarchy is good patriarchy is real world that's bad you need to make the world more like a matriarchy more like fantasy land um it is it is brilliant i mean it is brilliant. It's a master in my video. I say it's masterfully seductive and insidious piece of left wing propaganda, which I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try not to take it to that extreme, but 
it uh it definitely it, it i i don't like the us versus them part of it i really don't yeah um you know that that just we've got enough of that yeah you know um so there i it, it i'm looking forward to seeing oppenheimer yeah, I want to yeah. see that. And you know what else I want to see? I want to see the Ninja Turtle movie. I saw a preview for it. Oh, yeah. They they snuck that one in on us. The preview is funny. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, the preview looked funny. How he did it. And I, I wonder, in another thing, um, you know, they're a little bit of a different generation. And the way they did it, for people that haven't seen it, the way they did it was they were in the shadows for most of it. And you, you couldn't tell 100% for sure if it were the Ninja Turtles or not. Uh, when one of them turned to the side, you could see the goggles on them. Uh, and then the lights come on for a second. You can actually see them. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was very cleverly done because it, it wasn't even being done like it was a promo for a movie. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is funny. So I noticed this. I, I never seen, noticed this before, but one of my, uh, one of my black friends um, should <laughs> revealed this to me the other day. And he said, uh, not the other day, it's been a few weeks ago. He said, we're slowly we're slowly kicking all the gingers out of Hollywood. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, don't you notice that um, gingers in movies are slowly being replaced by black folks? And I said, I don't believe you. I've never, you know, and, uh, and I, well, I did see the thing about Ariel, Ariel being black, whatever, mm -hmm. I don't care. But he's like, no, it's not just Ariel, it's everything. So he starts sending me this stuff and he sends me this, this uh, list of all these different, uh, characters that were once redheaded white folks that are now uh, black actors, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I got this is an impressive this is an yeah. impressive list and uh, of, of of things you can Google it. You know, um, um, ginger redheaded actors replaced by black characters, and this just in the last couple of years and. It's it's funny. I didn't see it coming. I I I was I thought it was funny. Oh no, you just see one aerial movie and everybody and you get your head and you did we get go go off? But no, he was he was correct. And then I noticed in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle preview that April O'Neil, who was redheaded white girl, is now a uh, African American female. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't care. I'm not an actor, I, and I don't care. It's all it's all mm -hmm. to me. It's all about the story. I don't I don't care. But it was funny to see that, and 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 I it wouldn't be so noticeable if they weren't all redheaded. Yeah, but. yeah, I can see it for from from that one for for that uh, Disney princess. Um, they are redoing Snow White. Yeah, and um, Snow White is is a person of color in the movie, but also Snow White is not looking for the prince; she's looking for a career. I'm serious. I, 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 you know what? Close. I say something like that after seeing about two tweets about the movie. So yeah. I, I should, I should hedge that one by saying, okay. and, and I can understand that a little bit, but why not, why not hope to have a great partner in life and a career? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm totally, I, I wouldn't have stuck around here for 20 plus years if it wasn't, if it, you know. Yeah, I don't understand why, why, we, why we have to choose. I mean, to me, the whole point yeah. of, of of feminism is choice and options and not pushing people in any any given way. I'm okay with all of it. About, I, have, I have no problem. If you want to be career first, great. Then you need to find mm -hmm. a partner uh, of whatever your sexual preference of partner is that 
that that works with, right? Mm -hmm. Find someone who's uh, alike you and shares some values, but then has enough personal differences that you can make a life, you know, together because you need to have some differences as well, not just not just similarities. So I, I don't care about any of that stuff. Whatever they whatever they want to do, it just feels like that there's a um, that there's such a push in that direction that it feels like it's it's well like the Barbie movie, which I felt mm -hmm. was overtly um, devaluing motherhood and and the, and and here's the thing is that, that i think it's tough is you know where these things start talking about these sort of you can have it all stuff is well no you really can't um you really can't you can't have it all you can't have all of all of it you can have some of all of it but you are going to make trade-offs and that's oh, just yeah. the way it is if you're going to you know, I've, I've always said one of my goals is I want to be a great dad. I want to, and, and how I, def, and how, and how I define that. And I get to define that. Right. Um, you know, I've seen my brother coach all the little league sports and stuff like that. And that's important to me and other people that's not important to, they, they, they're going to dad their other, their way. Great. Yeah. Fine. You get to define it for yourself. But for me, I know that if I want to coach the little leagues, I need to be able to leave work a little early, you know, yeah. and uh, on, on those days. And, you know, those are choices. And there'll, there'll be a certain point where the next dollar is not worth the trade-off. You know? mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So I, uh, the, 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 I, I, my only thing about uh, being a good dad is, and my favorite phrase around that one is uh, if I, if I show me a good golfer and I'll show you a bad dad. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense i mean is that because the only way um so okay um so the uh you know the 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 whole idea behind the the that is that only way you can be a good golfer and i know this from personal experience because i lived in atlanta for five years played almost every weekend i was also single and moved to chicago uh took a winter off and went out and i think i'd added 25 strokes to my game or something ridiculous wow. like that so yeah, if you can't play, you can't play all the time. You're not going to be any good. Period. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we have uh, we've talked a lot of a lot of movies and and, and, and social commentary today. This yeah. is what we're paid for, Russell. So people tune in to hear us talk about the world, not not about volatility. <laughs> no, you know what? Honestly, I don't think anybody cares what I think about anything except for the markets. Uh, <laughs> It's a fun Although conversation. Although I do, you know what? I there 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 was one little. I know you want to get onto the markets, but there was one little thing I wanted to bring up because yeah, I yeah. I have students that follow up with me, and I had a really sharp one that followed up with me last night who just graduated. Um, she's got a job with a corporation that she has agreed to, and she starts in late August, and she was doing one final summer internship, and she's getting an offer from the internship, and part of. Part of her wants to go to the internship, but she's afraid to back out of the other obligation. Um, you know, I told my advice to her was to stick with the obligation and tell the people she's interning with that, you know, she feels like she needs to make good on that obligation. Do it in a very polite way. Say, you know, I wish you had offered me the job before the other place and leave, you'll still leave that door open in the future if you end up deciding that you'd like to go back there uh but it was it was just interesting to hear um and this is somebody that graduated in 20 uh, i'm sorry in three years so she's uh she's a young college graduate i think she just turned 21 uh but i found it interesting uh that that she really had like 
you know, a question in her mind, how to go about handling that one. And I think when you come out of school, uh, you're afraid when you make, you know, professional decisions in, for yourself that that might upset employers that they're going to take it personally. And I think it takes a while before you learn that nobody's going to take this stuff personally. You know, you're supposed to do what's best for you. Um, but I, I always seem to get one or two kids that have a couple of offers. They've accepted one. They want to turn down the other or vice versa. And they're just absolutely mortified to deliver that news. And I'm like, trust me, I've delivered that news. I've received that news. I, you know, it, it, it it's not going to be taken as personally as you think. Don't, you know, and especially for people just out of school, do what's best for you. you know, absolutely yeah. do what's best for you. I, I, I would I have one bit of, uh, of, of disagreement with that. And uh, that, and that's just with your sweeping statement that no one's going to take it personally. I would offer that there's always someone, someone who will take it personally. Generally, no one yeah. will take it personally. But yes, there's always someone that'll take it personally. Uh, uh, I've worked with people, yeah. and and I've, I've literally, I I I, I worked for a firm that I that I did a, uh, did some consulting with, and every that was one of the things we struggled with. with every like, everything was personal. It's like this is just business you did this from your end and you didn't have a problem with it. Why? Because you did what was best for your business. And this mm -hmm. potential employee who said yes. And then a week later comes back and says no, because they took another offer. They were interviewing for other things. We were interviewing other people. I get exactly. it. Exactly. You yeah. know? Oh. And yeah, there's always someone who will take it personally, but unfortunately those people don't matter. Or, or fortunately those people don't matter. Not in the long run, but no, I, yeah. I agree with you. I'm just, pushing that little, little, well, be careful with the sweeping statements. Cause I could, this one guy thing comes to mind. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Everything that ever happened was personal to that guy. I used to be like that. I I've gotten past that big time, but I used to be, uh, you know, just think automatically people were personally attacking me and, uh, and, and screwing with me. And sometimes they are, I know for a fact, sometimes they are, but for the most yeah. part, it's yeah. most most things that people do how they treat you is an, is is an indi indication of what they're going through themselves or how they feel about themselves or or, yeah. the, or the personal struggles of insecurities they have um i'm just not that important to to most people yeah. very few people am i important enough to actually truly influence their lives and truly have have a real reaction usually their reaction to me is a rationalization and mm -hmm. you know people can um can have emotions and then want to pin them to someone else. And they don't want to take the time to, you know, to shift through their own cognitive dissonance of how this is exactly what they're putting other people through or whatever. You mm -hmm. know? So, yeah. I just, uh, I was, I was really just trying to get her to frame it in. I need to make good on this obligation that I already, that's because she was going with the first job. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, it's not you guys, but I really feel like I, you know, should follow through with this commitment. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's the best framing. Plus, because it, yeah. it leaves the door open. If here, the thing is, I think it would be easy to advise her to go with the one that you really want. But that's an mm -hmm. interesting idea to you know, to 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 say, hey, you know, you've made the commitment, go through it, and now you've said to the second firm, I'm a person who fulfills commitments. Yeah, that's how, that's exactly how I told her to say it. Plus, the undergrads I teach are at Indiana, Indianapolis, 
a lot of them are first generation college students. So I get, you know, I get a lot of questions that I think some of us would go, you know, ask our parents or whatever. And, and I encourage that. I encourage that out of them. I really do. I don't want them to be afraid to ask me stuff like that. Very valuable. As a first, as a first generation college student, um, there is so much that's never taught. And it's just, it's just what's in class and, yeah. All the stuff that happens outside of class and all those kind of life lessons are what's really a lot of times most valuable is navigating the world, navigating the professional world, navigating personalities, things like that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, what's actually happening in, in, in classes, small overall. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about how the market's going to crash. Let's do it. When's it going to crash? What, what day? What I don't know. I just, I, what I can tell you, uh, there think I've been, you know, we, and we talked about this earlier as well. I've been, I, I was pretty bullish, you know, and, and I probably uh, went to neutral. I know I went to neutral too early, but that's okay. Um, I was pretty bullish. And there were one of the main things that I was looking at to remain bullish was the, uh, the re- relationship between the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100. And it was the NASDAQ 100 really led us for the first half of this year to the upside. Uh, but last week, uh, the NASDAQ 100 was down about one and a half percent. The S&P 500 was up 0.7 percent. So and, and you're starting to see it, it was like the NASDAQ 100 leads each week. And now we're starting to see uh, that relationship break down. And that, that was something that was keeping me bullish. And then the other thing, and, and I got a little pushback from one of the derivative analysts on the street when I wrote about this uh, over the weekend but um, S&P and the VIX are trending in the same direction. And if you go back to June 22nd, uh, that's when VIX made its 2023 low. And since then, the S&P 500 has made seven new highs for the year, and VIX has not made another new low. So S&P has been trending higher nicely, and VIX has a little bit of an uptrend as well. When they trend in the same direction, especially when they're both trending higher, uh, that can be a precursor to a sell-off in the S&P 500. Now, we've it, sometimes it, it, we had this state of, of affairs in early 2018, and it went on for about six weeks, and then we got Volmageddon. And I'm not saying we're going to get Volmageddon again. But as long as VIX doesn't close below, I think it's 1291, uh, I'm, I've gone from neutral to bearish, and I'm actually short S&P futures. Um, I started out the year long NASDAQ futures uh, about a month and a half or so ago. I took a look at the relationship between the Russell 2000 and the S&P 500, and the S&P 500 was outperforming like 8 by 8% or so. Never had that kind of outperformance where that gap didn't get closed within the next six months. So I, I switched over to long Russell 2000, short the S&P 500. And the long Russell 2000 outperformed the short S&P 500, but I took the long Russell 2000 off last night. So now I'm just short. And again, as long as you know VIX is remaining in the, uh, you know, Above that 1291 level, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna stay bearish. Um, and we'll see, we'll see if it works or not. But I think I think we're looking at 
I don't think we're going to end the year down on the air, but I do think that we're going to see some sort of sell off maybe before Labor Day. Yeah, it's uh, it it is felt weird to see, yeah, really under got kind of 15, 16 level for so long mm-hmm. here because it really when, when did we fall down was that, was that May or June? End of May, end of May is uh, where we had that big uh, so oh no June first June first is where mm-hmm. where we went from you know seventeen. 35 or something like that to under 16 and we've we've not closed above 16 something uh on the vix since uh mm-hmm. since the first day of june yeah no we've uh we've remained at really nice low levels but the thing is it does i mean there i think today as we sit here um the s&p is up slightly and vix is up a little bit uh, and normally I don't get all excited about that. I really don't because uh, about one out of every five trading days, VIX and the S&P 500 move in the same direction. But when they move in the same direction over a period of time, and when I'm doing a weekend review and I look at VIX and the S&P 500 on a week over week basis, and I continue to see uh, VIX you know, up and the S&P 500 up every once in a while, or the S&P 500, you know, down slightly and VIX up a lot more than I would expect, uh, along with the longer dated futures moving up when the index moves down, the VIX futures move up when it moves down. There's just a lot of, of red type flags. And, and I've been fielding those questions for a while when I do my Saturday office hours. Do you think we've topped out yet? Do you think we've topped out yet? Uh, and I seem to be getting more and more of those questions. So I think there's actually some consensus out there that uh, the market's probably ahead of itself to a certain point. Um, how, you know, how much do you think that, that the new option contracts on the market are influencing? The oh, not at all. Not, not at all. I um, I did a uh, after everybody was saying this. This was what was going on with VIX in 2022. Uh, that you know, VIX was under pressure because of all the short dated option trading. I did a comparison of the European VIX versus the Eurostox 50 and the CBOE VIX or the US VIX versus the S&P 500. And the behavior of the two was almost exactly the same. Hmm. They don't have weeklies yet or dailies yet on Eurostox 50. I say yet because August 28th, getting euro stocks daily so people in europe are going to be able to take advantage of daily expirations as well uh, so and and i had uh when i was at the eqd global conference in last year not this year but last year uh there was a lot of debate around that well there's a lot of debate around whether we were gonna we needed to see vix over 40 before the bear, you know, before the bear markets that, you know, has, has had its capitulation or whatever. And I was the only one, I, I hate people that say, I told you so, but I was the only one on stage that said, I just don't think we're going to have to see 40 this time. And my reasoning behind it, I, I said, it's possible that the daily options are messing up VIX. And because I hadn't run those numbers quite yet. Uh, and everybody disagreed with me or no, everybody thought that might be a reason. And then I said, but also everybody was anticipating a difficult year in 2022 and VIX don't spike above 40 unless you get fear and a surprise. And there was no surprise last year. Uh, so that's why we, you know, that, that's why we seem to have bottomed out without VIX doing what it had done historically 
But after that, where I was, I, one person was pretty rude to me about, you know, the, the 40 thing uh, and, you know, and, and the short data option thing. Um, I ran the, I, I was like, now, how can I prove this? How can I prove this? And it occurred to me that there are other markets with, that have been behaving very similarly to the S&P 500 that have volatility indexes. And lo and behold, without daily options, you had the exact same behavior. So that's uh, uh, it's it's kind of funny because I brought that argument up for the first time, and then first time I'd heard anybody bring it up, and they even talked about it on a podcast summary as well about you know is this true or not because nobody else had really been throwing it out there quite yet, uh, but that wasn't the case. I, I logic makes you think that might be the case, but a correlation sure isn't causation. Yeah. So what are you looking for at this point then, Russell? Uh, what I, I just, I think we're probably going to get a 10% sell off from the highs. I would, I would expect to see where are we right now? Uh, S and P is 45, 50, 450 points. Oh, now about 4,200, 4,100 or so. Maybe a slow bleed lower. I think that would make sense. Where is the now? Now you got me looking at charts and support and all that kind of fun stuff as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh yeah, I could I could easily see a retrace to about there. I mean, it's a it's a pretty lovely chart, you know. So it really is since uh, honestly all year, but yeah, you know, we, we even the even the, the the pullbacks have been very very shallow for several months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the 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 pullbacks continuously catch a bid. Uh, yeah, it's when when they don't is when we're you know when we have a, two or three bad days in a row, you might actually start to see a little bit of Eddie Murphy's panicking out there. For well, sure. Yeah. I mean, we we they they've so roared back. I mean, obviously we had the nice big up day um, there in the middle of of June, and then immediately a down day, and then several down days, and in a row really for about a week and then just boom 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 probably five six days in a row they just even a gap up um mm -hmm. there uh into into the i guess into into the fourth of july week you know um it's recovered recovered quickly now we're just kind of finally stagnant for a couple of days and i guess we're gonna see if you're uh if you're on target yeah yeah no i it just I, and and we are at the very beginning of earnings season that was kind of the other thing I was looking at over the weekend. And like, again, we all, we, we talk on Mondays and, and I do a lot of market reviewing over the weekends. So, uh, which is nice because it gives me things to talk about. I believe uh, I saw something um, about, and this was just this morning, so I've not researched it, but uh, I believe Cynthia over ETF Think Tank had posted something about the NASDAQ um, going to put some sort of restraints on oh they i know what they did they're lowering the um they're lowering the they lowered it's not even lowering it happened on friday on the close they lowered the weightings of all of those nasdaq stocks that are overweighted in the qqqs hmm. so this was and they they did the rebalancing on a crossing on friday so that the portfolio was the way that it should be uh you know, first thing this morning. And I know I talked I talked to somebody, I was in New York 
and had some meetings on Friday. And I talked to one person who had bought puts that expired on Friday on the stocks that were going to get uh, that, that were going to have their exposure reduced in the queues. And um, I, I, I don't I, I know from experience uh, these are these things are done very efficiently. Yeah, um, they they basically are done on one big crossing at the close. And it's typically pretty hard to make money off of uh, a rebalancing like that that's telegraphed to everyone. Uh, but they did uh, try to find the uh, the members of the queues real quick. They did, uh, well, it's, uh, what's this as of? Oh, this is as of la the end of last quarter. Um, still has Microsoft at 12% and Apple at 12% NVIDIA at 7%. So yeah. Uh, this is not an updated number. Uh, I can't wait to see the updated number at the end of this quarter and <laughs> see what the new about, but I'm sure it's on their website as well. Um, and I was, and one of the things I was doing in New York, is I was meeting with the NASDAQ people and I said, is this going to have any impact on, you know, NDX? I said, no, not, not, not at all, really. So. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That's because uh, they're going to keep their weightings. Um so you're going to have a divergence between the QQQs, I uh, ETF, so. and the NDX? I think they might. They didn't say that officially to me. I just said, is this going to have a, an impact on you guys? And they said, no, it shouldn't impact uh, anything we do at all. That's interesting. So, so yeah. that that creates the potential for a trading mm -hmm. opportunity if you're trading QQQs against NDX, no? Yeah, you can. You could um, if you if you think the overweighted. It, it's almost uh, if if there is a disconnect between the weightings, uh, you know, if you're think the smaller smaller stocks are going to catch up with the larger stocks, uh, you could do something where you're long the queues and and short the NDX through options somehow. Um, so yeah, you could you could try to combine the two. Uh, I wanted I what I was I, I had that on my list of things to look at today where I wanted to look at what the weightings were in the queues and what the weightings are in the NDX and see how much of a disconnect there might be there or if there is a full disconnect. Um, but as far as the NDX, they said it, it's, it was a nothing burger for the spot index when we were talking about it. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read much about it. I just saw the, saw the tweet. Um, are they limiting the weight to a certain amount or are they just reducing the weights? Is there going to be uh, they're, on weights? I think they're reducing the weights. So it's not um, a hard limit for the future? Or is it, you know, they have to do this again? Because there's a difference in saying we're just going to reduce it this one time versus we're going to call a hard a hard top on. Oh, no, this is a full. Okay. Um, Reading it through, maybe they're rebalancing, you know, all the stocks in the index as well. I thought it was just for the cues. I thought it was just for cues as well, but. Of course, I'm reading an article by somebody that may not, um, yeah, that may not fully understand how the whole thing is going. But yeah, I guess it is a Nasdaq 100 rebalance. It is. Oh well, I'll have to, I'll have to go do some more digging in that. But I mean, they 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 were saying that you know the top seven stocks were 55 percent of the index. I mean, typically the top 10 are over a half of the index. So yeah, I don't really know why. And a, a part of me, when when I heard this announcement initially, a part of me was thinking, well, now it's time to buy the, buy the smaller names in the NASDAQ 
and maybe short the larger ones just because, uh, re, you know, kind of like the whole Sports Illustrated curse. Right. Uh, if you're on the cover of SI, you're screwed for the next couple of months. Um, a part of me thought maybe them doing the, and I didn't say it to them, but them doing this rebalancing might be, a, you know, a market top for the large caps. Not because of the the shifting around of the weightings, but just, um, yeah, just uh, using it as signal like that. When yeah. typically, when a stock gets added to the Dow, it un- underperforms for a while, and the one that gets yanked out of the Dow outperforms for a while. Yeah, and opposite of what you'd think. So just kind of thinking the same thing there with that. Yeah, that makes sense. What else you got on the week ahead, Russell? Oh, uh, this is the week. That uh, I I I cover what I cover the I have like a coverage universe to keep myself focused, yeah. and there I I follow all the major indexes around the world, all the major volatility indexes around the world, and domestically I cover the I, I pay close attention to the a universe of fifty stocks that were the fifty most actively traded option markets the previous year. Hmm. Uh, just and when you do you know talking about. Uh, the imbalance in the NASDAQ 100, uh, fit, those 50 stocks are like 90% of the equity option volume in the U.S. every year. So they're really the very, very liquid liquid companies. Uh, seven of them reported last week, which was like the first, first, first week of this uh, earning season for, for those stocks. And what I look at is I look at the price changes relative to the three-year average price change. And the idea behind that is, you know, a company can report really good numbers and the stock sells off. Well, it's because they gave bad forward guidance. A good earnings announcement, in my mind, is not beating the earnings estimate. A good earnings announcement is a positive reaction out of the stock after you make the announcement. Yeah. And so, like, last week, Tesla was down nine and three quarters percent. The average move for Tesla is up or down 5.9%. That's a bad earnings announcement. Netflix was down 8.4%. Their average moves 11%. So that wasn't a bad, I don't consider that a bad earnings announcement. Um, But out of the seven companies that reported last week, three of them had outlier moves to the downside. Wow. And only one of them, Bank of America, had outlier moves to the upside. Uh, we got 15 of those stocks reporting this week. And it will be interesting just to, and it's a better mix than last week. Last week, it was a couple of airlines, Tesla, Netflix, Las Vegas Sands, um, Bank of America. So it's kind of a funny mix for those. So I really, I want to see how the, in, um, I want to see how the stocks react relative to historical moves. Typically the summertime, you don't get as many outlier moves. So uh, typically we get most of the outlier moves when we get the fourth quarter earnings. So like early in the year, this is usually kind of a quiet one, but maybe there's just so much other uncertainty around the macroeconomic environment that people are paying closer attention to earnings this time around. Yeah, that's definitely an early signal. I'm looking at at the list of the ones that report this week. It's It's a fun list. It's like, you know, and it's, I say 15 stocks, it's 14 companies because there's two Googles out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. GM, Google, Microsoft. Right. This is a fun week. Um, 
one stock that reports this week has not exceeded or its straddle it hasn't exceeded its straddle price ever or actually just in the last three years and that's coca-cola coca-cola's the at the money straddle has overpriced the move all 12 of the last earnings announcements wow Uh, you can go both ways on that one you can say well is it time for them to uh is it time for them to have an outlier move because typically you expect them to happen um you expect them to happen a good uh you know at least two-thirds of the time and what's interesting about coca-cola uh, is their straddle before and after earnings uh, it, the the price has been all over the place as well so the higher straddle the lower straddle it's uh it's adjusted quite nicely in conjunction with what's expected out of the uh what's expected out of the company looking at the other earnings I wouldn't touch Meta or Facebook earnings with, with I wouldn't with your money. <laughs> it's a that's a that that stock. There's no rhyme. It, some of them have really nice rhyme or reason to earnings, and some stocks just don't touch them. And Meta is by far number one. You never know. You never know what Zuckerberg's going to say. Yeah, or who he's going to fight, or anything else. Anything in particular that you think that's uh, could 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 really move markets? You know. Uh, from depending on its earnings? Uh, Not necessarily from earnings, unless we just get a lot of um, negative forward statements, which is uh, one of the reasons we saw a couple of underperformers last week. Um, I'm I'm really more concerned with, uh, and I think the market would probably react more negatively uh, to an indication that the Fed's not done. Because it is, we are we are priced in that the Fed's done on yeah. the hiking rates, totally yeah. done. And the uh, if anything, uh, the first cut keeps getting pushed out, but another hike does not doesn't keep getting priced in. Uh, I'm going to be watching the the futures markets, the um, Fed funds futures markets, et cetera, that that will adjust based on whether or not the market thinks there's going to be another hike. That's something I'll be looking very closely at as the statement comes out and as Powell is doing his press conference. So NVIDIA is not a concern? No, nah, not for the overall market. I think that's a, that's a uh, you know, very, co- very company specific yeah. situation. You know, they're going to, they're going to profit from AI. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. They make the equipment for it. All right. So, uh, we have anything else to cover today, Russell? No. You know, Fed funds or the FOMC. Uh, odds are we'll have uh, rates will be a tad higher, and everybody hopefully is going to think it's done. Um, you know, because everybody thinks that, I question whether or not we rally over the you know over them if they indicate it's the last one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all about what's not in the market, and. Slightly negative earnings, I think, is in the market. Uh, last rate hike, I think, is in the market. You know, what what can come out of nowhere and surprise us? Right. Uh, you know, maybe inflation has another leg to the upside. Right. When when you see wheat rallying through, you know, going through the roof because of some things that are going on in other part of the world. Yeah, it's uh, 
that 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 can feed through as well yeah absolutely well, appreciate everybody logging in. Please give us a like, uh, comment, give us a subscription. We appreciate that. Encourage us to keep going on. And thank you for, uh, for today, Dr. Vix. We'll see you all next time.